Well, I want to preach today on priorities. Last week, last week we talked about the power of process and the power in the process. And, and, and the premise that we spoke about last week was that God is more concerned with the process of our lives than the events that make up our lives. He's more concerned about how I get things done in my spirit than the actual event itself. Because the event has a beginning and has an ending, where the process has a forever ongoing um, process. It never ends. It never ends. It's always, I go from one event to the next event, and the process is in between, and then the process continues on. So that God really is more concerned, and there's more influence in the process of our life than the, than the individual event. Today I want to talk about the power of the priority. The power in the priority of our life. A priority is, by definition, placing one thing in front of another. Placing one thing in front of another. Making one person, one event, or an occurrence as more important than the other. That's what a priority is. Where does God place himself on our priority list? Where does God place himself on our priority list? And where do we place God on our priority list? Are they the same spot? That's the question that you have to answer in your life. I can't answer that question for you. If you want me to, I'd like to help you. No, not really. I can't. I am not going to judge you. That's not the point of this sermon today. I am not judging you. I'm not placing myself in that position. But I'm asking you to judge yourself. And where does God fit on your priority list? Deuteronomy chapter 5 verse 7 tells you the answer to the first question. Where does God place himself on our priority list? God says, you shall have no other gods before me. What does that mean? God is number one. No other gods before me. That's God's perspective of where he should be. It's kind of hard to misinterpret this. God wants the first place in your life. Now, what are these other gods that he's talking about? You notice that in that scripture that gods there are, is spelled with a little g. A, a little g, meaning that he's not, uh, he's not a person, place, or thing. He's not the noun. He's not, what, he's not the, 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 the formal God with a capital G that God is. But what are these gods then that are in our life that could be placed in front of God with a capital G? Well, time is a God. Fun is a God. Entertainment is a God. Work is a God. What are some things that you think of other gods? Just yell them out. What do you think? What are some other gods in our life that could be put before God with a capital G? Sports. Wow. Jenna, you were, I thought you were on my side here. <laughs> Hunting. What was it? Relationships. Success. Money. Popularity? A lot of little gods out there that could easily sneak into that number one spot in our life if we're not careful. 
Exodus chapter 34, verse 14 says, Do not worship any other god, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. You see the word jealous? It's expelled with a capital J. God's name is Jealous. Now, we were taught as a child that it's wrong to be jealous, that jealousy is a bad thing. So why does God call himself jealous? What is he jealous over? Our worship. Us. Is he, worship, is he jealous over my money? Does he need my money? Does he need my car? Does he need my house? Does he need all the things that I have? He needs them if I put them above him. If I take those things that I've just named and put them above his name, then he needs them out of my life. But if I have a proper perspective of those things, God is very, very willing to let me have those things. He's not trying to keep things from me at all. He's trying to bless me. But I have to keep my priority list in order. When I keep my priority list in order, he will bless over and over and over again. Abundantly he will bless. But it's when my priority list gets screwed up, when I put things over him, then all of a sudden God has to discipline me. And he's got to help me take care of myself because I don't even know what's good for me most of the time because I think that's good for me. And God is saying, you know, that's a good thing, nothing wrong with that thing, but because you have it on the wrong priority, now it becomes a hindrance to you. Now it becomes an evil thing for you because now it becomes a God over me. That's why God is a jealous God. Not because he wants to take things away from me or keep things, good things from me, but because he wants to give me good things. And the only way that he can give me good things is when I keep them in proper perspective. And when I start letting those things get over top of my perspective of God with a capital G, God, our creator, the one that we talked about a few weeks ago about the God that we're supposed to fear, the God that we're supposed to revere and give awesome respect over, when I start putting things of this world over top of him, then the things of the world become evil. And he wants to take those away from me. Not because he's angry with me, not because he's mad at me, not because he's jealous with a little J, but because he's jealous with a big J, meaning that he wants me and all of me, and I need to be willing to do that. So I want to be careful. This, is a, this topic of priority can become a negative topic. It can, be, it can go down the, the negative spiral of things because whenever we start talking about things that I think I deserve things that I think that I should be in control of, uh, things where it's nobody's business what I do. It's my money. It's my time. I'm the, work to, I'm the one that goes to work and spends 40, 50, 60 hours at work. Nobody's going to tell me how to spend my money. Nobody's going to tell me how to spend my free time. When, I start, when we start thinking that way, and then when somebody comes to you and says in a loving way, starts to challenge that, all of a sudden there's a real risk of someone getting offended. Somebody taking an offense over that. And if I was doing this in a way that I was angry, if I was doing this in a way that I was trying to manipulate you, then shame on me. Then I'm wrong. 
I'm not trying to do that. I'm not trying to get into this tough topic of priorities because this is one of the toughest topics to talk about. And this is one that I really didn't pick out, but the Lord laid it on my heart. So I'm going to talk about it in a way that hopefully it will become a way that you judge yourself, you challenge yourself with the priorities of life. I'm not judging them. But I want you to think about them. Two things I want to talk about priorities. Number one, godly priorities are eternal. Man's priorities are at best temporary. God's priorities are eternal. My priorities are temporary. This doesn't mean that I have to wait for eternity to get here before I have the blessing of God's priorities because eternity starts right now. I'm living in eternity. You're living in eternity. So if I'm going to live with godly priorities, if I'm going to start incorporating them in my daily life, then the blessing starts immediately. I don't have to wait till I die and go to heaven before I'm blessed. I can be blessed right now. I can be blessed today in my life. I can be blessed when I have godly priorities. So it doesn't have to wait. The enemy tells us a lot of lies about that. The enemy wants to bring all kinds of confusion about that. And I'm here to tell you right now that we can enjoy the benefits of God today when I put godly priorities in my life. And I know that this sounds very countercultural when I say this because the culture says that when you place God before anything else in your life, then you've taken all the fun out of life. That's what the culture says. Godly people are boring people. Godly people are the people that go to church all the time and they sing songs and they sit and listen to boring preachers preach and they are very boring people because they have a life of can'ts. Or the don'ts? What are you teaching, Chris? The knots. The knots in life come out. But that's not godly. That, that's a man's perspective of priorities. That's not a godly perspective. When I can't do this and I can't do that or those negative opinions come in, that's not God bringing those to me because God brings boundaries to our life not to hurt us but to help us. Boundaries free us. Laws and restrictions are actually freeing to us. Not the other way around. Not the other way around at all. This doesn't mean that you may not have a problem in life because problems are going to come. But when you have a problem in your life, if you're living with godly priorities, if God is number one in your life, then when you have the problem, God will give you a way out of the problem with his priorities intact. He may not give you what you want to get out of that problem, but he will give you what you need to get out of that problem. Because if you keep his priorities first, then he will give you the blessings in your life that he wants you to give, wants you to have that are for your betterment, not for your worse. You know, a dog will, a normal dog, Calvin probably knows, a, a normal dog will eat himself to death. A horse will eat himself to death, won't they, Scott? If you, eat, if you give a horse enough, the right grain, if you leave dog food in a dog's bowl, a dog or a horse will, will take the good and because they don't know how to prioritize life, he'll eat the good to the point of his own detriment. Do we? Yeah, I think we do too. I think we have the same capacity to do that. 
So, godly priorities are eternal priorities. Man's priorities are temporary priorities because I can try to have all the good things that I want for my life. I can establish all the good rules for me. But if they're not lining up with God's word, then at best, they'll be good for me for a season. And then sooner or later, I'm going to hang myself with the same rope that I was using to create the good thing. I'm going to eat myself to death with the good things because they're not, it's not that they're bad. But I can just get myself out of whack with my priorities and all of a sudden my priorities take me down a path of burnout, of overwork, overstress, over trying to achieve the good life. And God's saying, you know, if you'll just listen to me, if you'll just take what I'm trying to give you, I will give you the right priority. I will give you the right perspective. I will give you the right uh, goal that you should be chasing after. And it will give you fullness to your life and give you um, satisfaction. So number two, God is concerned more about the priority in our heart than the action of our hands. God is concerned more about the priority of our heart than our action of our hands. He's more concerned about why I do something or what's my motivation in it than actually what I do. See, we look at the outside because that's all we can see, where God looks at the inside because he can see it all. And he can see the heart just as well as he can see my hand. He can see what's making my heart um, motivate my hand to do what my hand is doing. First Samuel chapter 16, verses 6 through 7, this is the story of how... Uh, Saul was being replaced as a king, and this is the process that God was using. He was going to take Samuel the prophet, and he sent him to the house of Jesse because Saul was short-lived. Saul was going to be removed as a king because he was failing God. He was failing in his kingship. So God had to come up with a replacement, and this is how God did it. He sent Samuel to the house of Jesse. We pick up and we read, When they arrived, Samuel saw... Eliab, I hate these words. It's so easy. Eliab, where's Angie? Thanks. Eliab, and thought, surely the Lord's anointing, the anointed stands here before the Lord. It must be he was a good-looking guy. Either that or Samuel was really desperate to get the job done. But pick the first one. Said, that's surely the guy. He must have been a good-looking guy. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. You know, that's kind of scary when you think about that. Because I can do a lot of things on the outward that make you think I'm a really good guy. I can say all the right words, and I can do all the things that would prove to you, because of my actions, that I have a good intent and I have a good heart. But God doesn't. Look at there. He doesn't stop there. He sees all those. Yes, he does. But he doesn't stop there. He goes down a little deeper into the heart, and he sees really what's motivating me, and that's kind of scary. That's why I'm telling you that this sermon on this message on priorities is for you to judge yourself, not for me to judge you or, anybody, or any other man to judge you, because man cannot judge you. But you better judge yourself, because God is. Because God's looking at the heart. He's not looking at the outside of the appearance. He's not looking to where that is. So you need to judge yourself. 
See, God has a really good plan for us. He really does. God is the judge of our hearts for the right reasons. Jeremiah 29.11-13 says, Jeremiah 29.11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Wow, there's that heart word again. When, he seeks me, when I seek him with all my heart, how do I know that I'm seeking with all of my heart? God knows when I'm seeking with all of my heart. God knows. How do I know? See, we are not to live to please men. We are not to live to please men. But I will tell you something. That if you are living to please God, you will please men. That's not, but my motivation is not to please men. My, my motivation is to please God. My motivation is to seek God with all my heart. And when I do that, the result of that is going to be pleasing to men. Now, to some men, I will be, I will be repulsive. To some men, I will be offensive. Because some men don't want to see other men succeed. Some people don't want to see other people have a victory in their life. They don't want to see people live, live right because then it judges, it, it, it puts them uh, lower on the class curve, if you will, thinking that if God is going to grade on a curve, they want everybody else to be as bad as they are. Stay away from those kind of people. This is where you have the right choice to make. You pick and choose who you hang with. You pick and choose who your friends are. If you find friends that are offended with your right living, then let me just tell you, find new friends. Then get involved with other Christian people that will build you up and that will strengthen you and will encourage you and challenge you to keep living that way. That doesn't mean that we can't be a light unto the world because it can be. But my, but my point is sometimes we gather our strength from our friends. We gather our strength and our, and our, our, our own self-worth from how people around us perceive us. And if it's a negative perception, then get away from it. Then just move away from it. You choose. You have the control of your life, who you hang with. And if those friends that you're with Monday through Friday are not building you up, then get away from them. It's pretty simple, isn't it? You have lots of people out there. Hang with the ones that build you up. Hang with the ones that you please because you're, God, because you're pleasing God. And then all of a sudden, the priorities of life kind of flow a little bit easier for, for us. We make our own problems so often because we don't listen to the godly priorities. We don't listen to the simple things that God asks us to listen to. And therefore, we get, all, uh, we get our life all entangled because we think we can do it our own way. Drew and I were talking before church about that. Isn't that right, Drew? And how as we allow God to work and when he starts to work in our life when things start to go well for us why do we think we can then take it back and do it our own way that doesn't make any sense but when we get things going when life start to move our when we start moving in the right direction with God and things start to go well that's even a better time to dig in further and get more ingrained in the word of God more ingrained in prayer setting up your priorities even more strongly for God rather than saying oh I, hey I got this figured out now I think I'm going to do it on my own thanks God I needed your help for a little bit but now I've got it figured out and I'm going to go my own way 
What do you think is going to happen when you go your own way? What happens, Drew? You told me. You fall flat on your face. So here we are. You choose. Do you want to continue to work with God? Do you want to fall flat on your face? See, this is not a judgment. This is not a rebuke. This is an encouragement for all of us to judge ourselves. When we really understand the heart of God, we will understand that his desire for the godly priorities uh, as we're properly basing them in our life is really for our own benefit. It's really for our benefit that we put those priorities in place. It's not for um, God's benefit. God's going to be God regardless of what I do. He's not going to fall off the throne if I reject him. He's not going to be shocked by that. He loves me enough to let me make my own choice. So here's the deal. He's given me the choice to do it, and he's saying, if you will follow me, I'm going to do these things. I'm going to ask you to do these things. I'm going to ask you to have these priorities in your life for your benefit. And as we allow them, if we allow that to happen, we will see our lives being fulfilled and we'll see our lives being pleasing to him. Luke, 12, Luke chapter 9, verse 23 through 25 says, that, says it this way. Then he said to them, this is Jesus, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very soul? What does it mean to take up your cross? Have you ever thought about that? What does it mean to take up your cross? Taking up one's cross is the willingness to give into God's will for your life. It's, it's, it's a self-denial, but not in a pathological or a self-abasement area where, or a martyrdom complex where you are going off the deep end and wanting everybody to see, woe is me. That's not the point. But it's denying oneself so that we really are free in Christ. We really are giving up on our own desires. Really up, really are trying to put his desires in front of my desires. And that we're not denying ourselves of just certain things. This is the hard part, gang. But it's denying ourselves of everything. Everything in our life. God's not really interested in when we pick and choose. He's not interested for us to cherry-pick the low-hanging fruit and only give him some of our life, and, but we want to keep this part over here. He wants everything. He also says that we need to do this on a daily basis. Daily basis. I need to give up everything to him every day of my life. Continuing on, verse 24 says, For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. Does this make any sense? I mean, how can you, if you want something, how can you keep it by throwing it away? Does that make any sense? It really doesn't in a natural perspective. But here, understand that we serve a God that has created nature, in a way that before a plant can grow, the seed has to die. 
you take that kernel of corn and you, you bury it in the ground and that kernel has to die before it can grow. So if God can take a kernel and resurrect it into new life and to make it a productive, fruit-bearing plant, and that's the way he's created nature, then understand that he can take the same thing from your life when he says, if you want to save it, you have to give it away. And when you give it away, I will multiply it back to you many, many times over. That's the priority of having, of, of having godly priorities when you have, that's the importance of it. When I realize that I can't keep what I think I can save, the only way I'm going to keep it is if I give it away. Does that make any sense? When, you, when I take uh, the good of life and I want to maintain the good for me, I want to maintain my little pocket of security, my little self-reliance, if I want to hold on to that and say, no, nobody's going to get into my world. Nobody's going to impact me. Nobody's going to take time from me because my time is so precious. I'm going to keep time to me. Are you really keeping it? But yet, if you were to say, God, my time is your time. And I'm going to be there for that person. I'm going to be for that person in need. Or I'm going to take the money that I have and I'm going to give it away. And I'm going to give it and I'm going to put it in the kingdom. And when you do that with his priorities in place, what he's doing, he's taking that seed that had to die. And he's taking that gift that you've given of time or money. And he said, I'm going to, I'm going to let it die in your life but I'm going to spring it back up in new life in a multiplication effort because it takes that one kernel of corn and it multiplies it into hundreds, if not thousands, of kernels of corn. And the same thing with your time, the same thing with your money, the same thing with your efforts. As you do that and as you are faithful to give it away, he will bless it and he will give it back to you for eternity. Yes, beginning today, beginning tomorrow, you will see a new perspective in your life. You know, they say if you have, a, if you have a, a, an issue or if you have a depression, the best way to get out of depression is to help somebody. The, the best way to get out of a funk is to get out and do something for somebody. But if I want to sit in my own little pity party, if I want to sit home and say, woe is me, it's only going to get deeper and darker. So to the best of your ability, get out and do something. Pray for somebody. Call somebody. Send a card. Do something for somebody else. And it will help you get out of those things. It will help you then um, get back into a life that God wants. Because if we go back to Jeremiah 29:11, understand that he has plans for us, declares the Lord. And the plans are to prosper us, not to harm us. Plans to give us a hope and a future. You know, that is so important that we have that future and that hope. Because with that, then, we have a promise and assurance that we are going to get through this life. And as I have the proper perspective, and as I keep that in proper um, measure in my heart and my life, then the priorities will be there to help me get through those times. As we conclude that this morning, if we look back at verse 25 where it talks about gaining the whole world. It says, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world and, let, and, let you lo and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Wow, we work so hard, don't we? We work so hard in building up our life. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing, hard, there's nothing wrong with working hard. But Jesus told a parable in Luke chapter 12 
of a man that worked really, really hard. And he said that the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. This is Luke 12, 16 through 21. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I will say to myself, you have plenty, to gra- plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will, de- will be demanded of you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. So let me ask you the question. Why would you want to hold on to something you can't keep when you can give it away now and have it back to you to keep forever? God rewards those that love him and obey him. Those that put him number one on their priority list. That's what God wants. So I want to ask you this morning, where is God on your list? Where is he? How do you know where he's at? When you have opportunities to be in the house of God and you're not, where's he on your list? Now, I'm not talking about special events. I know we all have special occurrences. That's fine. But there comes a time, and you know what I'm talking about, so I'm just going to ask the questions, and I'm going to let God deal with you on it. But when you have the opportunity to be in church on a Wednesday night, a Sunday night, a Tuesday night prayer time, or Sunday morning, And you say in your heart, I'm not going. Where are you placing God? I know I'm digging, aren't I? I know it. I know it hurts a little bit. And I'm not saying that you have to be in church if God's one in your life. But you answer the question, though. If you have opportunity to be in Bible study, and you're not doing it, What are you saying to Jesus? Now, you can say, well, I can do my own Bible study. Well, yes, you can. And I know that. And I hope you are. Because even if you were coming every Sunday night and every Wednesday night, that's still not enough if we think about it. If we really think about it, we should be doing something every day into our own, building up our exercise and and our endurance every day. But, But I have to challenge you because that's my job. That's why you're paying me. (laughs) That's why you're paying me to do this. Because who else is going to ask you where where are you? Who else is going to be concerned enough about you to say, where are you? How come you're not there? How come you're not doing what you need to be doing in the kingdom of God? Young person, are you doing it? Are you at youth group when you can be at youth group? Let me ask you a question. Um, what are we supposed to judge? 
The word says that we will know them by the fruit of their tree. We will know a tree by the fruit. Okay? So, how do we know what our fruit is? And I know this is getting a little uncomfortable. Because I'm getting a little uncomfortable. But yet, where is it? There's going to come a day, folks, when we're all going to stand before Jesus. We're all going to stand before him. And the book of Hebrews says, Today, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Because you can't harden a heart to the point where you don't hear his voice anymore. And then you're going to stand before God and he's going to say, Where were you? And what are you going to say? Close your eyes with me if you would. Father, Lord, I just ask that you do the work now that you need to do in our hearts and lives, Father. Lord, if, um, if this is a message that hits home to us because it hits home to me, I need to know more, God, how to deal with that. I need to understand, Lord, how that I can put my priorities in submission to you. Oh, Father. And Lord, as I do that, this is for my benefit that I do that, not as a way for you to hurt me or to hinder me or to punish me. So, Lord, I pray as we examine our hearts this morning, Lord, I pray that you would give us that fulfillment in life Lord, and you would bring the challenge in our life at the same time. Sometimes it's hard to be quiet before God, isn't it? Sometimes it's hard to let the Holy Spirit's finger work in our life. But when we do, understand that He wants what's good for you. I don't know how to end the service. So I'm not going to end it. I'm just going to let you leave when you want to leave. If you want to stay here and just let the Lord work with you a little bit, that's up to you. Sometimes when we give benedictions, it almost like, it's almost like we wrap it up and say, okay, the package is done. It's done. And now you don't have to deal with it anymore. But I don't feel like I can pray today that way. I'm not going to end the service like I normally end it. Because I don't want it to end normally. Because I want this challenge to be ongoing.
And I want you to be constantly challenged with your priorities as I'm challenged with mine. 